Hello, my friend, and welcome to this episode of A Call to Leadership. I'm Dr. Nate Saul, your host. I'm so glad you are here. Well, on this episode of A Call to Leadership, we're going to take a look at success. In fact, I had a recent article that came across my feed in Inc. Magazine that caught my eye. And the title was, Warren Buffett says your best chances at success come down to three simple choices. Interesting conversation around success. We're going to talk through these three simple choices in this episode and uncover what they are and how they affect you and me and our lives. But before we do that, I wanted to ask you a question. How do you define success? It's an arbitrary word. It's a little neutral because people see success in different ways. In fact, when I look it up in the dictionary, it says this, success is the accomplishment of an aim or a purpose. So that's really what success is. So success can mean different things to different people. You might see something that resonates with you because your vision of success perhaps is monetary. So when someone says, I'm interviewing a billionaire today on my show who's very successful, you might say, oh man, I think I need to check out that episode because perhaps Maybe I don't necessarily want to be a billionaire, but maybe I want to have wealth. Maybe I want to have security and comfort financially. Maybe I want to have more resources financially to meet my needs. And so that becomes a measure of success for you. Someone else might say, I'm comfortable where I'm at financially. I don't necessarily consider becoming a billionaire that vertical, mastering that vertical as a measure of success for me. Perhaps measure of success for me is having a family that I can come home to every evening or spend lots of time with, perhaps it's winning the father of the year award or the mother of the year award or the aunt of the year award or the uncle of the year award, whatever it might be, that might be a different measure of success for you. So you might see that billionaire and say, well, that's not my vertical. That necessarily is my highest priority. My highest priority is perhaps my family. And it's been said even by Steve Jobs' authorized biographer, Walter Isaacson, said Steve would have not won Father of the Year Award. Why did he say that? Because his vertical to what he viewed as success was in a different area. It was in his business. He loved his family. Of course he did. However, that wasn't his number one priority, at least outwardly. And so for some of us, there are other measures of success. Perhaps we want to deepen our faith relationship and we are working on our spiritual lives. And so we want to say, man, I want to get closer to God and I'm going to have that as my number one vertical of life and success. For me, that is actually my number one vertical. I feel as though money, I'll make money as I need it, and I want to make sure that I've got that laid as my number one foundation in life. And so when I see an article that says, you got to have this measure of success, I'm intrigued because success does mean different things to different people. So this particular article, and I want you to just to focus on some of these aspects of success as we uncover them talks about three layers, and this the author wrote about scanning Warren Buffett's life. Of course, who's Warren Buffett? He's a CEO of Berkshire Hathaway. He's actually considered one of the most successful investors of all time. And so Buffett's made copious amounts of money, lots of experience, knowledge. It goes beyond, it really does go beyond the financial world. He's a wise person. 
in a lot of ways. So some of these measures of success, you're going to look at and say, Nate, I get it. I believe it. And perhaps I am living it. Perhaps I'm not living it. Perhaps it's a review. Perhaps in some ways it is a reminder and maybe even it will encourage and engage us to consider them. I think that they're fantastic measures. I don't think they're necessarily the most important in any particular order, but they're definitely worth a discussion on a call to leadership. So the first measure of success is called take care of your mind and body. And so this is what we call self-care. Well, Buffett said this, you only get one mind and one body, and it's got to last a lifetime. You think about the entrepreneurial journey, and you think about the life journey, and we work and work and work. If you're a business owner and you're listening, you know, it's a grind. It's a difficult road. And it's very rewarding, and there are massive amounts of rewards that come with it, but there's also cost. And oftentimes, our health can suffer. And it's not just entrepreneurs, it's anyone who toils and works. I found in my own life, when I'm faced with massive amounts of work that I need to get done, and I have to get in the trenches for 8, 10, 12 perhaps even more hours a day with my team. The very first thing that I drop off is my health, my self-care. I will exercise less. I'll stress more. I'll sleep less. My diet sometimes will begin to be compromised where I'll say, well, boy, on my way home from work, that Taco Bell sure does sound nice and they're still open and I haven't eaten today. So I'll go in and I'll get myself a massive amount of carbs and food that's probably not very good for me. So steak quesadilla and get that chalupa and the Mexican pizza and all this other stuff. And I'm gorging myself on Taco Bell. And then on the way home, I'll see Oberweiss, which is an ice cream place open. And I'm like, well, I love their chocolate peanut butter ice cream and I have been working hard and I do deserve it. Well, that's unsustainable for at least for me and my health journey because I will just pick up calories that I don't need. I'll end up gaining weight that I don't need. And that's not the end of it. I've had stints. Of course, you know, I own an accounting advisory firm, so there's lots of tax seasons. And uh, each tax season is marked by its own set of challenges. One tax season was marked by a set of challenges around five guys. And that's a burgers and fries place. And they've got, in my opinion, pretty good burgers. And the fries are awesome too. And so It was almost every night I was stopping at Five Guys and just not good for me. My healthcare was struggling. And so we find that when we have a compromised life, we can have a compromised set of health standards. And so we've got to make the decision today, what is going to fuel this body, this mind, this spirit, these emotions? Over the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, we've got to think of the long run. You know, my family, heart disease, that's a real issue, especially the men. And so my uncles, if they didn't take care of themselves, somewhere between the age of 62 and 65, most of them died, including my father. And I know that the decisions that we make, that I made when I was in my 20s and 30s, have an impact on my health in my 40s, in my 50s now, I'm in my 50s, and then beyond. 
And so early on in my life, I made a determination to manage my exercise, make sure that I was active enough to where I kept my body moving, reduce the foods that were not helpful for me. And as long as it's not taxis, and many taxis that I do go by and I make it through, every so often I fall off. And the good news is that you can get back up and I get back up. So right now, as it stands, I'm in a focused time of health. And so this is a thought, not just for today, it's for the future. I just recently had a friend who had a massive heart attack in his just close to mid fifties and fortunately lived. But the scare, the reminder, man, I have got to take care of this one body. I agree. It's the foundation for all other measures of success. And I say that because if you don't have a body, you can't be successful because you're not going to accomplish your goals according to the definition of success if you're dead. So we have to take care of ourselves. What is the architecture of our mental health as well as our physical health? Are we releasing? Are we de-stressing? I just had a conversation with one of my students and we had a conversation around the mental and spiritual health of this individual. And my advice was take a couple days, just you. And this person wanted to get closer to the relationship with their creator. Just take a couple days and go back and do that. Clear your calendar. Get your health in order. For me, I recently took a trip. Sometimes just getting away, if you can. I hadn't taken a vacation all year long, but just one solid day for me and spending time with my family, it was gold. Helped me with my stress levels, my clarity. If you've listened to the show, I recently had Sean McCloskey on, who's a coach of coaches, and he takes an entire month off to not only recharge, but to refocus, reanalyze priorities. And that also has an impact on my mental acuity. If you're running hard all the time, your mental acuity will diminish. So you have to take a break, and it's okay to take a break. You say, Nate, I can't do it. Well, just know that it's unsustainable in the long run, and it will affect our health. So make sure that the short-term gains are considered against the long-term cost in our lives. The next one is set strict boundaries. Number two, around your daily activities. So this is one we've talked about on the show in different ways. Setting what we call strict boundaries is what Buffett says, according to the article, quote, the difference between successful people and really successful people, again, successful people and really successful people, is that really successful people say no to almost everything. Did you hear that? They say no to almost everything. And I've mentioned this on the show before about distractions. I love Michael Hyatt's approach to it. He says distractions, knocking at your doorstep, disguised as opportunities. And the only way to tell the difference between the opportunity and the distraction is to measure it against your vision. And this is so important, friend. If my vision isn't clear on where I want to go and what is most important to me, I'm going to say yes to a lot. In fact, if you've listened to the show, you've heard me talk about Steve Jobs, talking about focus. This is where we're talking about focus in life. And so boundaries help us to set focus around our daily activities. He said, focus is saying no 
to things you would absolutely love to do. Why? Because you are focused on what's most important, your total priorities. Plus, it also is a signification of your integrity. If you have integrity, you are undivided. You won't say yes to things that don't lead you to the direction that you know you must go. But you have to know the direction first. You have to know the destination. Where is my outcome in life? I just had an episode about this. We'll put it in the show notes regarding the end of life, your eulogy, writing out your tribute. Because if you can write out how you desire to be remembered, then you will know decision-wise what to say yes to and what to say no to in that process. So for me, I know that in my eulogy, my son will be a person who won't say, oh my goodness, dad spent so much time at the office, I never got to see him. I don't want that. What I want is my son said my dad was available. He was in my life. I was important to him. And the decisions he made, what he said yes and no to, modeled that, exemplified that. Because we can say yes to a lot of things that don't lead us to where we want to go, where we know we must go. That's the heart of when we decide to say things like that. And so it's releasing. When we say no, it actually creates a release for us. It's not easy to do, especially when we want to please, when we want to achieve, when we want to feel valuable, significant, when we want to contribute. All of those things can hinder, but they can also blind us, cloud us from staying true to what we're committed to. So ask yourself right now, what have I said yes to in the last day, in the last week, in the last month that has compromised my focus that has led me in a direction that I did not desire to go. I think most of us have them. Not everyone, but most of us do. I know I have. I know I've said yes to some decisions over the last year that I thought were a good idea at the time. And I thought, well, this is in my vision. But in hindsight, I realized that I was chasing things that did not have a connection truly with my vision. I was clouded. So I had to refine my vision. And then I had to unwind some aspects of what I was doing to eliminate that. One of the things is I was teaching too much at the university level. I had signed on to teach too many classes. And I thought, well, this is in my vision. I'm an educator. It's in my genius. I love to teach and to share concepts around business. And so I was teaching an introduction to entrepreneurship class. And I was invited to teach an organizational behavior and leadership class. Well, he's like, hey, Nate, you have a PhD in leadership studies. This is perfect. And it was miserable, not because of the students or the curriculum. All of that was wonderful university. But what was miserable is, is that I had spread myself too thin. And it was a busy time of year. It was tax season. And one of the courses, I had 47 students in one course. And of course, I'm committed to my firm as far as in business terms. That is my number one priority. Yet I was finding myself just fraying at the seams because of all the additional responsibilities. So what suffered? Perhaps I still had to get the work done at the office. And then what suffers? My family suffers, which is my number one priority, not business. And so I went to the dean and I said, you know, I thought this was in my vision. And at some level, educating is in my vision. However, 
I cannot renew my contract for all of these courses in the next term. I can do one course. And I selected one course, Introduction to Entrepreneurship, and that worked out well. It fit my schedule. It fit my desire. It fit my vision to stay in the academic world. And my family didn't struggle and suffer. So sometimes, even if I've said yes, if you've said yes to something that you did not find was within your vision, it's okay. You can still say no. You can work yourself out of it. I stayed committed and completed the course, of course. I worked myself out, and it's been better ever since. So what am I saying yes to? Is there something that I'm saying yes to right now that needs to change? Something that needs to become a no? Is there something in the future? Am I making a decision? And I really, in my own heart of hearts, I know it needs to be a no, but I'm considering without considering it perhaps consciously, perhaps unconsciously, considering compromising my integrity because I know that saying yes to this will mean that something else that is a priority that I've already committed to will struggle and suffer. Now, that's not to say that by saying yes to one thing, if something else struggles and suffers, that that's the wrong thing to do. Sometimes it's a conversation. Hey, we're going to go through a very difficult season because of this next step or this next stage, and something may struggle, something may suffer. That's different. And so it takes discernment. I think that each of us needs to understand who is in our camp, who is among us, alongside of us, to help us to make those decisions. Do I have someone or a group? Do I have a mentor? Do I have a spouse? Spouses are great. It's easy for my wife to shoot things down because all I have to do is say, it's going to take time away from what my commitment to you and our son. Oh, well, you know, that's easy. So who do you have in your life? Someone. And if you don't have anyone in your life, then there's ways to get people in your life. Ask a question on social media. If you have relationships there and say, hey, I could use some advice in this segment. I do it all the time with decisions I'm making that are out of my wheelhouse, such as with cars. If you've listened to the show, I'm a car aficionado. I love classic cars and some modern ones as well. And sometimes I'll have a question and I'll shoot it to a group. And they'll help me make a decision with a yes or no based on their understanding of a certain situation. There's ways to get mentorship, to get help. Perhaps it's an email. Perhaps it's a group, a a community group. Perhaps it's a church. There's ways, my friend. There's definitely ways. The third one, keep your decision-making process simple. Oh my goodness. How many decisions do we make a day? It's said in this article that we make our brain process a whopping 35,000 decisions each day. So think about the decisions we're making. I love the simple stick in terms of how we make a decision. Use simplicity to make smart decisions each day. What does that mean exactly? It means we can sometimes overcomplicate life and... When this ties into the last one, because saying yes and no is a result in some ways of not having our values and our beliefs in line with our decisions. When we're talking about keeping our decision-making process simple, we're talking about our core. What are our core beliefs? What are our core values? Do I have clear principles in life? What are my non-negotiables? I'll give you an example. One of my non-negotiables 
in life, and I just mentioned it earlier, is walking in integrity and speaking in a way, in a manner that builds others up. Those are non-negotiables for me in my own life. So when I say walking in integrity, it's being whole, it's being undivided, it's being the same person in one room or another. It's not lying. People say, is it true that you don't lie? In fact, I had a someone, we were fostering years ago, and we had our foster child. We were, my wife and I were talking to the foster child, and the foster child was questioning my wife and I about lying because we said, we're going to be honest with you. And the foster child who was staying with us said, no one is honest. No one tells the truth all the time because that was their worldview. That was this person's way they saw the world because they didn't see anyone who was truly honest, who wanted to just say what was true. And I believe that that's a foundation for trust. If you know that what comes out of my mouth, at least as I understand it, sometimes I'll make mistakes. Sometimes I'll get data wrong. But in terms of honesty, not telling lies, you will find that when you can be honest with others, and I tell people, you look, if I'm going to tell you something, it's what I believe, then that lays a foundation for trust. And it's easy to lie. Sometimes it's difficult to tell the truth, especially when you have something to gain by lying. And sometimes it's not even lying, it's deception. Deception isn't necessarily lying. You can simply withhold information and have deception. You know, I want to practice complete integrity and not have any deceptiveness about me. So if it means that I don't say anything at all, just don't say anything at all. Now, that plays out in the world because sometimes we have things to lose. And honesty plays a part in all different ways. It plays a part when someone else makes a mistake and you help them with that mistake that may be at your own cost. I've had this happen. Perhaps you've had it too. Someone's made a mistake at the checkout counter. And in my favor, perhaps something was priced lower than what they rang up. And what do you say? What do you do? Do you just say, well, wow, I just saved five bucks by their mistake? No. For me, that is deceptive. They made a mistake. I need to help them with that mistake. Somebody listening is going to say, no, Nate, that's going way too far. I understand what you're saying. But for me, say, hey, you know what? You misrang that. I owe you five bucks. And oh, thank you. Sometimes I've bought things before and I realized that, uh, have you ever bought something and the self-checkout? I had some gloves I bought at Lowe's with a bunch of other items just a few weeks ago. And I got to the car and I realized, oh no, I had not scanned the gloves. So what do you do? Are you walking in integrity? Are you walking in trustworthiness? Because that store trusted me to be honest with my purchase. And so what do I do? I can leave, whatever, $10, $15 for the gloves. Nobody will ever know. But that would compromise my integrity. My decision-making process is so simple. It's so simple. Boom. Don't even think about it. Walk right back in. Scan it. Pay for it. Tell the lady at the counter who saw me come back in, I forgot to run. Bring these up. Have a nice day. That's a measure of that. Now, will I always get that right? I sure hope so. Because that's the bar I want to set. I want to set the gold standard bar under no circumstances will I compromise that. So there may be a time when I'm in deep need where I don't have an abundance of material wealth. And that will test my integrity. It's not necessarily when your integrity is tested, when your values are tested. It's when you have not. And that will determine whether or not we stand in the method that we desire to, to keep our decision-making process simple. So your core values, do you know what you value at the very basis of your five or your being that are non-negotiables? 
The other one I had mentioned was my speech. There's a scripture, Ephesians 4.29, which says this, Let no unwholesome words come out of your mouth, only those which are good for building others up according to their needs. You think about that. That is, for me, uh, a non-negotiable. So that is something that I know will help my keep my speech decision-making process simple. I won't call people names. I won't call people stupid or idiot. It doesn't build them up. It doesn't help them according to their needs. I want to honor that. So when I speak, I want to speak in a way that builds others up. And you say, Nate, well, what does that have to do with when you reprimand someone? Well, you can reprimand. That is, you can share an opportunity for growth where someone has fallen off in a way that's helpful, right? Not condescending, not belittling, not demeaning with dignity and with a desire to see them grow. No unwholesome words come out of your mouth. Only those that are good for building others up according to their needs. That is a measure of integrity in terms of how I, it's non-negotiable. And that defines how I make decisions. How about you? So when you're grappling with a decision, measure it against your values. What are your non-negotiables? If you have not identified those, it's time right now to identify what my core values are, what are non-negotiables, and have that as the barometer, the measure, so that when you are prepared to make a decision, it simplifies the process and also causes you to rise and elevate your own success, your own ability to accomplish your goals. Now, these are only a few, and I love the article. I'm thankful for it. We'll make sure the article is in the show notes. There are so many other measures of success. The first measure of success is actually knowing what you desire to accomplish. Start there, my friend, and continue to grow as a leader. Thank you for joining me. Well, my friend, thank you for joining me on this episode of A Call to Leadership. If you've been listening, you've probably heard me talk about our accounting and advisory business. And this show was actually born out of that business, those relationships. I found that entrepreneurs and professionals were missing aspects of their leadership that fed into their bottom line and helped their businesses be successful. So I'm so thankful that I've had all those years in that area to feed into this. And the truth is that so many people still need accounting and advisory help and they don't know where to go. If you're in that place where you feel, oh my goodness, my tax person or my accountant, I can't find them, or maybe the service wasn't up to my expectations, do not despair. I'll leave how you can find us in the show notes, and one of my team members can do some discovery and help you along your journey. You're not alone, my friend. You always have help. I'm Dr. Nate Sala. Can't wait to see you on the next show of A Call to Leadership.